for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz pod, and if you didn't notice, we have a brand new intro to our podcast now. And it's pretty interesting stuff. It's um, it's awesome. I put it together myself. It's my baby. I'm very proud of it. We've got a Redskins fan, a Washington football team fan. My bad. We've you got watch it, buddy. Yeah, we've got a Washington football team fan in house. We've got a Steelers fan in house, a Vikings fan in house, and a Steelers or and, and a Chargers fan in house. And we got all of our favorite memories from the franchise and like recent memory. And we put it into our intro. So hope you guys enjoyed it, but let's get into it. I mean, Jaden, how you doing, man? Doing good. I, I don't know how to feel that our moment was a regular season win. <laughs> like, I just, I wish it was better, but comparatively, it's not that bad. Well, I mean, if you think about mine, mine's yeah. uh, literally middle of the season. <laughs> like For a player that played two more years for that team yep <laughs> yep but straight up I depressing mean, <laughs> obviously one of the most the most electrifying washington redskin ever probably like come on now come on now oh mitchell i see some debates over. i mean that's depressing that's what it is <laughs> yeah it is depressing you're right but anyway how you doing bro good to see you mitch I'm doing good. I got my uh, physical therapy school interview in the morning. Oh, I'm shit. I'm good. Nice. Yeah. Our, our very own Stefania Bell making his way up in the world, man. That's awesome. Yeah, good I'm stuff. feeling good. <laughs> At first, I didn't think you were imitating anybody. I was like, good Lord. <laughs> but that's good stuff, man. God, that's good stuff. <laughs> that was my woman voice. There you go. Very, very well done. Well done. <clears throat> All right. Well, with that, let's dive into our Thursday night football recap. And as of this recording, as always, we are just following the Thursday night football matchup. So let's dive into some of our, some of our initial takeaways from this game. Um, Rams end up taking the dub 26 to 17. And some of my initial takeaways. How about that man, Geno Smith, huh? Looks pretty solid tonight. Like, I know that's not like the major takeaway from this game, but still 10 for 17, 131 yards, a touchdown and an interception that was not his fault. Tyler Lockett tripped and he should have been there and he wasn't. And it looked like a terrible pick, like on, on the face of it, I thought it was a terrible pick, but then on the replay, I was like, Tyler Lockett should have been standing instead of on his ass. So there's that. And then, also, the incompletion in the end zone was not his fault either because Patrick Twain should have been open for that. Like, he ran right into Jalen Ramsey. Like, and Jalen Ramsey wasn't, like, wasn't even really guarding him. He just, like, ran into him, and he should have been there. So, go Geno Smith. Love to see him. Me and Mitchell were talking about in the, uh, in the group chat about his legendary days at West Virginia. I mean, he was a dog. He was a dog. But let's dive into some of the more notable, more important takeaways from this game. And first off, 
Seattle drops to a brutal two and three. And in a division like the NFC West, where the cards are sitting at four and oh, the Rams are now sitting at four and one after that. And the 49ers in two and two. I mean, how are they going to get out of the? It, this was almost like a must win game for them. Don't you guys think? Yeah, it was getting there. They're a solid team. And if Russ comes back healthy, I think they can manage to will their way to just enough for a wild card, but it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as much of a must win game as you can get in week five, you already dropped a game to the team that looks like, I mean, they're winning the division right now, have a very solid chance of winning the division in Arizona. And then you go and drop a game at home to the team, the other team that could probably win this division. Uh, Especially with Russell Wilson, you know, don't know what his situation is. Uh, Mitchell, I know it's a little bit too soon for you to give us an update on that, but <laughs> that shit's fucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this is not good because you could be facing a few games without Russell Wilson, and how many games are you going to win without Russell Wilson? Even as great as Geno Smith looked tonight, you know, you face a couple of tough opponents, you could be looking at two and five, right? I mean, yeah. You would have to go on a great streak to finish the season to make the playoffs in this tough NFC and tough NFC West. Yeah. And you mentioned it um, in case anybody didn't watch the game or didn't see Russell Wilson's injury. He was taken out after the third quarter, after he had his, I don't even know what finger it was. I think it was like his ring finger. It looked like his middle finger. It was his middle <laughs> finger, right? Middle finger. And um, he got that jammed by Aaron Donald on a pass rush and that thing, as Mitchell said, so, so elegantly, that shit is fucked. I mean, he really like that thing was dangling a little bit there. And it, it was funny because Stafford was, I watched his post-game interview on NFL network and he, he saw the play for the first time. And he was like, his facial expressions were like, Oh, Oh, and then he was like, golly, was <laughs> golly. Say, golly, man. I did not look good. <laughs> yeah, he said, golly. And I was like, yeah, damn right, golly. But yeah, I mean, uh, everybody in Seattle's holding their breath right now, waiting to see what the word is on Russell Wilson. I mean, if he misses any, even like a week, two weeks, like that's huge for the Seahawks where they're sitting right now, two and three. So. Best of luck to Russell Wilson recovering for that, from that finger injury. And what a tough guy, too. I mean, he wanted to go right back out there. He threw a couple passes with the finger. He was unfazed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He was just, like, looking at the training staff with his hand up in the air, like, yo. Come out here. I got, yeah, I got it, something wrong going back on in. here. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I mean, if Russell Wilson even misses a game or two games, this is bad news for Seattle, but. Let's get let's dive into some of the other points to take away from this game. And Bobby Trees, man, Robert Woods with his breakout game of the year so far. Finally, um, after the game on Sunday, he was clearly upset and he wanted more targets. And Sean McVay came out and said that we just need to get him more involved in the offense. And they did exactly that tonight. He had 12 catches on 14 targets and 150 yards, an absolute monster game from Robert Woods. I imagine Jaden's feeling pretty good about that. He's got some stake in Robert Woods in our big money league. 
So I do. I have Robert Woods in two leagues and handing me a nice little 27 points as a reward for my loyalty as I could have and should have probably shipped him off multiple times <laughs> this season. But hey, I'll take it. There you go. There you go. Um, also, Matt Stafford, despite his struggles in the first half, I mean, if you didn't, me and Jaden were talking about it because we both kind of missed the first half. If you didn't, well, I watched the first half, but I was doing the notes for the podcast. But um, if you didn't watch the first half, you didn't miss much. I mean, both Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford were struggling, but Stafford turned it on in the second half. I mean, he finished the game 25 for 37, 365 yards, almost that 400-yard mark. Uh, one touchdown and one interception. I mean, he even had his own finger injury in this game, which I don't know, that might even affect Matthew Stafford going forward, but it didn't affect him um, because he got that injury in the first half and he looked phenomenal in the second half. So I think he's all right. I think he's all right. But good stuff from Stafford. Um, also, the Seattle defense and the secondary struggled again. They allowed 483 yards of total offense tonight. I mean – that was a big thing that we were looking for in this game. I mean, can a struggling Seattle defense keep the high-powered Rams offense to lower numbers? And, I mean, on the scoreboard, sure, but, I mean, they allowed them to pass the ball all over the field tonight. And in the first half, they looked great. I even wrote down some notes, like, so far, Seattle secondary looks great, but did not finish out and close the deal on defense. But – also want to mention Seattle didn't have uh, Chris Carson in this game. It was more of a game time decision, but it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to play in this game. But uh, they did, they definitely struggled without him. I mean, that offense, they like to set the tone with the run game. And without that pure just runner, they really struggled. I mean, Alex Collins finished with 15 carries and just 47 yards. So kind of a bummer to be without Carson in this game but any any thoughts on Carson you got Mitchell I'm just curious about that neck uh, from the way Carol described it he said it was going to be a long-term issue and it has flare-ups to me it kind of sounds like a herniated disc in the neck so I wouldn't expect this to go away anytime soon you could ex any big time volume game for him could be a setback the following week for him I would be cautious with him going forward. And if you're Jaden Kozak, I would try to dump him off on Levi. <laughs> he'll never listen to this podcast, so he'll never know Jaden's end goal for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's really He's interesting right. stuff. I mean, I didn't even I, – I didn't think that much of Chris Carson's injury until you just said all that. So. Yeah, I really wish you didn't just say all that. That's all. Thanks. <laughs> So serious concern for Chris Carson going forward, I guess. I did hear in the broadcast that it was more of like, I mean, he had been struggling with it since the beginning of the year. So, yeah, cause for panic for Chris Carson owners and Seattle in general. But And Jaden Kozak. Yeah. And, and just Jayden. a reminder, all's fair in love and fantasy football. So amen to that. Take that, Jaden. Amen to that. So that does it for our Thursday night football recap. And with that, let's hop into week five, the rest of week five that we have coming up this weekend and on Monday. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's not that super great of a slate. Do you guys agree? I mean, it's not. It's kind of ugly coming into this week. Steelers, Steelers almost made the cut. So 
no. <laughs> <laughs> I I had them in the, the headliner games to start, and I was like, no, this is like this is not it. I can't even like oh oh, oh yeah. Uh, we did forget to cover Thursday night football, which was like the plan for the Monday night football podcast. So, uh, our picks were me and Mitchell went Seattle, Kane and Tyler went LA. So what was the thought process behind Seattle? I was, I was thinking about that. Uh, for me, must win game at home, uh, high powered offense that they just played that. You know, obviously the Cardinals are pretty much on another planet right now, but the Seahawks have a very similar offense that is going to try and outscore you. And I don't know. Fair. A short Fair, week Mitch. off of a loss. Well, uh, Russ was nine and one on Thursday night football coming in, and the Rams have yeah. been a little suspect since Cooper Cup hadn't been wide open every play. So, right. Yeah. No, that was – I mean, I mentioned on the pod last week, I was wondering if maybe the Rams' offense was sort of kind of one-dimensional, but they proved that that was not the case tonight with Mr. Robert Woods. But good stuff. Let's hop into the week five and the week that we have coming ahead. And we will start with Green Bay playing in Cincinnati in the 1 o'clock window. Green Bay sitting at three and one and Cincinnati is also sitting at a surprising three and one right now. So good stuff out of Cincinnati in a division where that third spot is definitely up for grabs. (laughs) Oh, I got a smile at Jada on that one. I like it, but first things first, we've got our very own injury expert in house and we've got some big time injuries in this game. And I want to address some of them with you. Let's start off with Joe Mixon. What's going on with that ankle? Well, Joe Mixon has a low-grade ankle sprain right now. It's looking like he's probably not going to play this week, so invest in Perrine this week. They're going to want to try to not re-aggravate it for him because he is a huge part of that offense. So I would not expect Joe Mixon in. T. Higgins, he's rested plenty of time on his shoulder. Wouldn't be shocked to see him playing, especially since he's been limited to practice lately. Aaron Jones, not at all concerned with his injury. However, with Jair Alexander, sorry about that, he, uh, they are trying to avoid surgery, but the fact that surgery is even on the table for his AC joint injury leads me to believe it's around a grade three strain. And that is about a month-long recovery in a sling, Mm -hmm. but they are probably all in on their Super Bowl odds in Green Bay. So it would not shock me if they try to make him play through that after seeing uh, the likes of Drew Brees try to play with basically duct tape on his shoulder last year. Right, right. Yeah, definitely concerning stuff from Jair. I mean, if they they lose Jair for any extended period of time, that defense on paper gets even worse. So, but yeah, I mean – we mentioned Jair and they, the Green Bay in this game, they are also possibly without Kevin King, who is no secret to anyone who watches any Fingers sort crossed. of Packers. Yeah, it is no secret to anyone that watches any sort of Packers football that Kevin King is an absolute atrocity of a corner. But given that, it's he still is a starting cornerback. Um, he's in concussion protocol right now. Um, Mitchell, do you know anything about that or? Uh, I've heard he's back at practice, so 
worst worst thing has happened for Green Bay. Kevin King <laughs> is going to be their starting cornerback. <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. But without Jair and possibly Kevin King in this game, um, how will the Green Bay secondary fare against three of the most talented young wide receivers in the game right now? I mean, you got Jamar Chase, who's having a hell of a, hell of a year. 17 catches, almost 300 yards and four touchdowns. He's had a touchdown in three or four games so far this year. Um, you got Tyler Boyd there, 23 catches, 259 yards and a touchdown. He leads the team in targets with 30. And he had a big game against Jacksonville, went over 100 yards. And T. Higgins, if he's back for this game, I mean, he had some solid production uh, in the two weeks that he did play. 10 catches, 118 yards and two touchdowns. Touchdown, a, a touchdown in both of the games that he played. So this secondary going up against three of the most talented young wide receivers in the league. Jaden, I'll start with you. How do you think they're going to fare? Uh, not good because <laughs> Kevin King, Kevin King is arguably the worst player that is like <clears throat> non due to injury. Like he is the worst player that is, was planned to start at the beginning of the season in the NFL, at least on defense, especially considering the fact that he's on a, team with legit Super Bowl aspirations when you have a player like that starting that drags down your team and drags down a defense now you take off the ginormous band-aid that is the second best corner in the league being alongside him and now he gets plunged into be your number one corner um bad Problem. very bad <laughs> and and Zadarius Smith uh is also out he's this been week, out. I'm pretty sure yeah. Yeah. Um, so they will have next to no pass rush coming at Joe Burrow. And that has been the problem. He's going to feed Jamar Chase all day. Daily fantasy wise, pick, pick one of them, pick any of them. I'm not going to pick, tell you which one, because I've got a one of three chance of hitting. Just pick one of them. Whoever yeah. Kevin King is going against. Pick yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Hey, in terms of fantasy, these three guys, it you could pick. Good luck with picking one and thinking that they're going to – like, that's the guy, 100%. Yeah, I would go Chase or Higgins if I were to pick one of the two of three. <laughs> Chase or Higgins. Why uh, why Chase or Higgins over Tyler Boyd? Because Boyd's in the slot all the time. I don't think they'll have King on him. Yeah. I'm true. expecting Burrow to just demoralize King, honestly. Fair, fair. I mean, Watch, any of these show receivers. Up as a, he'll show up as like the second coming of Jalen Ramsey this game. Now that we're saying <laughs> it's scorched, he's gonna he's gonna come out with that classic Russell Wilson "I love adversity" type tweet, <laughs> you know. So, go Kevin King. I'm rooting for him in this game. Good luck, good luck, my friend. But, um, I also want to mention on the Green Bay defensive side, uh, big news coming this week. Um, Jalen Smith was released by Dallas earlier in the week and not long afterwards, the Packers jumped right on him. They signed him for to a one year deal worth, I believe it was 770 K, but what is this addition of Jalen Smith who are we, do we know whether or not he's going to play in this game? I couldn't find anything on any confirmation, whether he's going to play, but I don't know why it wouldn't. I haven't seen anything. He's – I like him as a signing for them just because they're – after they lost Martinez last year, they had no presence in the run game. 
he he needs a lot of polishing based on what we saw last year in Dallas, but he's got all the talent in the world. So I hope it works out for him. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, much needed help for this Green Bay defense. Jaden, what you got? Yeah, I think he does add a lot to their defense. I I don't think he plays personally. I just think, you know, he got signed what Wednesday. Right. So he hasn't even he hasn't even got the practice probably in their in Cincinnati, so they had to travel all the way to Cincinnati. Uh, so I don't think he plays this week, but he's got a lot of God-given talent. He can surely figure something out. Hopefully they can fix the problems that he had and unlock his potential. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But big addition for the Green Bay defense. But next thing that I wanted to cover as far as the analysis for this game is uh, – is A.J. Dillon a legitimate threat to Aaron Jones, especially in fantasy? Um, A.J. Dillon had his first big game of the year last week. He had 15 carries, 81 yards against Pittsburgh. He matched Aaron Jones's carries with 15, but Aaron Jones only finished with 48 yards on the ground. He did have three catches for 51 yards, so Aaron Jones is going to be that receiving option, but – I really do think there's concern here. Like AJ Dillon, they have been talking AJ Dillon up for a very long time, especially Matt LaFleur. And he was an early round, early round draft pick. And they've talked a lot about him carrying the ball in the nitty gritty situations, like in the short yardage situations. And when they need to just grind and pound it out, AJ Dillon is going to be their guy. And we just hadn't seen it until last week. So, Jaden, I'll start with you. Do you think this is concerning for Aaron Jones going forward? Uh, I don't think it's concerning for Aaron Jones. I think it's concerning for Aaron Jones' fantasy managers. Do I think No, that, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, he's obviously not going to take Aaron Jones' job, but I think, you know, he's going to cut into his carries a little bit more than most Aaron Jones' fantasy managers will like. I don't think it's going to be like a 50-50 split. But, Me neither. you know, they're de- they just paid him. So th- this is their guy. It's not like, oh, we have Aaron Jones, but we also have this guy, and we really want to see what we can get out of him. They just paid Aaron Jones. They know what they have in Aaron Jones. And, you know, you saw it week two. They used him a whole bunch. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of what Aaron Jones is. He's, a, he's going to hit 45 one week, and that's going to carry a season average yeah. for the rest of the year. But uh, – yeah, AJ Dillon is it's not really super threatening, but it's just like every time you're watching it, you're just like, ah, why is he in the game? It was the same way with Jamal Williams last year when I had Aaron Jones. I was just like, take him out, take Jamal <laughs> Williams out, put Aaron Jones in. And it's super frustrating, but don't panic trade Aaron Jones. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think you're underestimating AJ Dillon a little bit. Like, I don't think he's just like, one of those classic back or running backs that you just hate to see on the field. Like, I think there's going to be, I, I don't know. It might take a while, but I think there might be eventually a a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt kind of balance here, you know, where. Well, the thing is Dylan doesn't really bring receiving. He brings more of what Nick Chubb does. That's what I'm saying. But 
but he's not, not that dominant running. running. Yeah. The only yeah. reason why you'd use the dominant runner is if he was a dominant runner. You don't think AJ Dillon's a dominant runner? I don't think he's a dominant, like, take over the game like kind of Nick Chubb is. But he's a very, like, he's, he's not a hard runner. He's a hard runner, and he's a pure ball carrier. Like, I don't think uh, – I'm not putting him in the same talent category as Nick Chubb, but I definitely think he could get there. Anyway, Mitchell, what are your thoughts? I, I see it more as, like, he's just going to steal a few goal line carries. Jones is the obvious receiving back out of them, mm-hmm. out of the two. And we saw that week two when he started getting the shovel passes in the red zone. It, doesn't, it worries me less than Jamal Williams last year, if that means anything wow. to fantasy owners out there. I totally disagree. I really think that A.J. Dillon's going to have a bigger – because A.J. Dillon had a role in a Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones backfield. And he's going to carve out Jamal Williams and his role previously. So, like, you combine those two. I mean, they split carries in this game. So, a lot of it's game script. But, I don't know. I think you guys are underestimating A.J. Dillon a little bit. They really like him there. But, anyway, good stuff. Good debate. Let's hop into the spread for this game. And Green Bay is favored by three. And the money lines for this game, Green Bay minus 160, Cincinnati plus 140. And I'll dive into my pick first. I think it's going to be a really close game. I mean, we talked about the concerns in the secondary for Green Bay, and this has already proved to be an electric offense in Cincinnati. So I think it's going to be a really close game. I'm taking – I could almost – like I really wanted to pick Cincinnati to win this game. Like I really did. Like all the signs point to Cincinnati winning this game. But I can't see Aaron Rodgers losing to the Bengals. Like I just can't see it. So I'm taking Cincinnati on the spread and Green Bay on the money line. Jaden, what you got? Uh, I'm taking Green Bay on the spread and the money line. I As much as the injuries and all that concerns me, and I, I do think this is going to be a shootout. I think whatever the point total is, I'm taking the over on it just because I think that the Bengals are going to put up a lot of points and Aaron Rodgers are going to see that and also want to put up a lot of points. So this is going to be a super high scoring game. And I think it come down to whoever has the ball last. Yeah. Good stuff, Mitch. I'm going to go with green Bay on spread and money line, but I could honestly Cincinnati see Cincinnati winning, even though they barely beat the Jaguars last week, which is, Harsh is a majority of why I'm still taking Green Bay in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right, so let's move on to the next game we have on the slate, and that is the Cleveland Browns at the, yours truly, Mitchell McDonald, the LA Chargers. Both teams are sitting at three and one, and they play in the four o'clock window. Um, things to watch in this game. Let's start with the injury report. And there's one really notable one that I wanted to bring up with you, Mitchell, and that's Baker Mayfield, who news came out very recently that he has a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. But what's that going to mean for him going forward? Well, it, it is a partial tear, so it's not horrible. And he did it against the Texans, so it's obviously going to be pretty uncomfortable for him. And if he takes a lot of hits, which with that offensive line limits amount of times, he's going to get hit. I don't see it as a huge issue, but it could be something that is causing a lot of discomfort for him, which could be why he looked horrible last week. 
Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. But I just hear torn labrum and I start to freak out. But I guess in his <laughs> non-throwing shoulder, I mean, I guess it's not big of a deal. But like you said, if he gets if he gets hit a couple times, I mean, it's definitely it could turn from a partial. Could it turn from a partial tear to a complete tear like that? It depends on if his arm is extended on like a throw. Now, granted, it is uncomfortable because you do use left arm in your throwing motion still. If he has an extended arm and it moves a certain way, he could injure it more, but they have him in a sleeve. So it's been limiting what it does to him. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Well, that does it for the injury stuff. Let's dive into some of the major things to watch in this game. And for starters, I mean, this isn't like overreaction theater for me. It's just kind of like proposing like what if, but what does this Chargers offense look like if Eckler can continue to effectively run the ball? Um, Austin Eckler on Monday Night Football against the Raiders, he had 15 carries, 117 yards, and a touchdown. His previous career high on the ground was 101 yards, so he broke that. And I thought it was interesting because he got a lot of carries and a lot of yardage in a game where it would make sense, especially how the game was going to throw more. I mean, the Raiders lost Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett in that same game. So you lose both your starting corners. I thought that the game plan would have been more to throw it after that, but that just wasn't the case. And both of the big time guys, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams had subpar days, both finished with less than 40 yards receiving. Um, Mitchell, I'll ask you, is this something to expect going forward or just kind of how the game worked out against Oakland or not Oakland, Las Vegas? I, I think that Raiders defensive line is a little overrated after watching them play against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, two of the worst offensive lines in the league. So you can definitely ground and pound on them with ease. And Casey Hayward was playing against us. He's obviously knows both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. He's going to hold them in somewhat in check compared to what they would be in a regular game. I would not expect Eckler to be doing that much damage on a weekly basis whatsoever. Gotcha. Gotcha. I just thought it was like looking at the stat line, I thought it was interesting, especially him smashing his career high like that, but just kind of like a what if, you know, like what if Austin, and especially in fantasy, if Austin Eckler can get running production like this and receiving production, which has predominantly been his bread and butter before. I mean, I think already you can put him in the top three pick conversation if we were drafting today. So I would, yeah. Too. Yeah. I'm a little no. biased and I'm also going for a signed jersey. So. I mean, tell me, Jaden, I saw a suspicious look. Like, who are you putting above Austin Eckler right now? No, no, that's that's my point. Because remember, we had this little conversation earlier about a certain Dalvin Cook. Yeah, we did, which we'll get into. We'll get into the Dalvin talk. I'm really salty about the Dalvin talk because I have a lot of Dalvin in fantasy, but we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um some of the other things to watch in this game, um, the Chargers face their first real test in the Cleveland defense, like not as far as the real test in in terms of team goes because they played Dallas and Kansas city, but in terms of the defense, this is their first real test. Um, they played Washington, not a real test. No, not on defense. No, 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 
No, we yeah. have no defense. We'd be better off sending out uh, Chase Young to just run around the field in circles and hope he gets a pass deflection. I think that's a good defensive game. Not what he's looked like. <laughs> we just I, – I don't know what to do. Maybe we need Ron out there, man. Riverboat Ron running the defense. I would love to see it. Put him in a middle linebacker. Anyway, we're not talking about the Washington defense right now. But oh, they did play God. Washington – Come on, man. Let me move on from this. I don't want to talk about it. God. But the Chargers play Washington in week one, who have allowed the fourth most total yards and 30 points per game. Um, they played Dallas in week two, who have allowed the seventh most total yards and 24.2 points per game. They played Kansas City, who has allowed the second most total yards and 31.2 points per game. And they played Vegas, who had played pretty good defense so far, like prior to the Chargers game. But on paper, I mean, me and Jaden had had extensive talks in the offseason about it. Like, it's a terrible defense. So they've been playing above their heads, but they've allowed the 14th most total yards and 25 points per game. And now they've got Cleveland, who've allowed the second least total yards per game and the only 16.8 points per game. So... Kind of concerning running into that Cleveland defense. Um, well, Cleveland is definitely probably one of the more promising defenses coming into the year, and they've proven it so far. But uh, the one loss they've had, it was a team that could beat them over the top in Kansas City. And granted, if it wasn't for a botched punt attempt, they would have won that game. But if you can throw it over their heads, it looks like you can win. And we have a way better offensive line than the Vikings and the Bears by a mile because that kind of padded some stats for that defense, I think. So I, I'm not too worried, but they're definitely the best defensive face to this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, let's dive into some of the other things to watch in this game. And I've got how will a struggling Chargers run defense fair against the best running team in the league. The Chargers so far, um, Mitchell, you've mentioned it multiple times on the pod. Um, they're not a good run defense. They've allowed the fifth most rushing yards to RB so far, um, second most yards per attempt, and they're running into Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the dynamic duo in the backfield. They lead the league in rushing yards with 177 yards per game. Uh, Nick Chubb out has outcarried. Kareem Hunt so far, but we talked about it earlier. Nick Chubb's that hardcore running guy, that pure runner. And then you've got Kareem Hunt on the receiving side, but does very great running himself. So how do you think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to do against this kind of flaky Chargers run defense? Jaden, I'll start with you. Uh, I think they're going to do very well. Uh, I'm sorry, Mitchell, but I think they're going to have a great day. Uh and honestly, that might be a problem because if Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just have a nice, you know, three, four yards of carry every play, they're going to take up so much time. And if they don't score a touchdown, Justin Herbert's going to go right down, score a touchdown, and they're going to find themselves down in this game quick with her, or with Baker nursing an injury, and he'd have to be forced to throw the ball a lot. So as, as much as you'd love to have your best player get going, might not be the best strategy this week. Yeah. Mitchell? I see them being a little touchdown dependent. It depends on who's getting the touchdowns in the game. I know Kane hates the term, but I think with 
basically them just running out Odell on the outside. We're just going to stack the box the whole game, even without uh, Kenneth Murray, who at times is not the best tackler. I think we'll be able to manage it just because we're going to sell out on what they're good at. And that's what Staley's been preaching this whole time. You don't Focus think that on what they're good other, at. You don't think that every other defense in the league has tried that? To stack I don't the think every other Cleveland? defense in the league has Derwin James. So, hmm. Derwin James against Nick, <laughs> Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt just solo. Just going at it. I don't know, man. I don't think it's going to be too – I don't think it's going to be too pretty on the ground. I mean, it's – You've talked about it before. I'm just saying your words back to you, man. You've said the run defense is very sketch. So well, we were playing better pass offenses before. Yeah, that's so true. We had to play a little bit back. And uh, that's true. I don't trust their pass offense at all in Cleveland right now. So yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, that pass offense is a extreme concern right now. And I think if you stack the box and you effectively stack the box and hold that running game to some sort of minimal production, um, it's going to be key whether or not OBJ and Baker can finally get on the same page. I thought I thought they were. Like, OBJ and his return looked fantastic, but after a promising week three, he had two catches on seven targets, 27 yards versus Minnesota. And I emphasize the two catches on seven targets because anybody who watched this game just saw that Baker was just, like, missing him on wide he was wide open and he was just missing him so i mean a lot of that might be because of the throwing shoulder but yeah he was just missing him wide open and obj becomes so important now because you've got jarvis landry on ir and the receiving options after that are not very promising i mean you got rashard higgins who had a decent day against minnesota four catches 63 yards but david Njoku only had two catches 17 yards and Austin Hooper, Anthony Schwartz, and Harrison Bryant combined for only two catches and 14 yards against Minnesota. So options beyond Jarvis Landry and OBJ are kind of bleak in Cleveland. So I think it'll be a problem if they can't get the running game going in this game. But let's dive into the spread and the money lines for the game. Um, Chargers are favored minus two. Um, money lines, Chargers minus 135. Browns plus 115. I'll go ahead with my pick first. I think the running game is just going to be too much for the Chargers. I'm taking Cleveland for the spread and the money line. Jaden, what you got? Uh, Give me Cleveland on the spread, but Chargers on the money line. I just, I really like what the Chargers have shown so far this year. They're like, obviously once the Packers disperse, which will inevitably happen after this offseason, the Chargers will be my second favorite team. It's not even going to be close, so I'm kind of, like, putting myself into that. I don't think I've picked against the Chargers yet this year. And it's hard to. I'm not going to – I know. Like, that offense is dynamite right now, especially, like you said, if if Eckler can really start getting going in the run game, Herbert's looks fantastic. Mike Williams has started to emerge, even though he was fairly quiet last week. Jared Cook Uh, had a nice um, game last week. Yeah. And Derwin James has made it through four games. So, <laughs> but all, all of the 
All of this production has come against very sketchy defenses. I will say that. So maybe, maybe we're your getting Dallas missed. Cowboys defense is sketchy. Kane, come your on, Dallas yeah. Cowboys defense. Trayvon this Diggs, is, gotta stop, man. This Trayvon Diggs, stop. no more, no you more. Mean, your like, you could say that, like, oh, I feel like kind of like it, nah. You can't even. I at this I'm, point, it's your sick of Dallas Cowboys defense. I, I don't know how Please. the Chargers even scored a point with your Dallas Cowboys defense. Enter Mitchell, what's your pick? Mitchell, <laughs> what you got for this game? I'm God. taking the spread and the money line because this is our first real home game because Cleveland does not have fans like Dallas and Las Vegas do that would travel to L.A. So we might actually have a home field advantage <laughs> for the first time in five years. <laughs> Yeah, that Vegas game was brutal. I mean, there were definitely more Vegas fans in the house than there was. More Dallas fans, too. <laughs> yeah, true. We might true, have had more true, fans true. in Washington than we did in L.A. Probably. I mean, it's not hard to pack uh, pack FedEx with opposing opposing teams' fans. I mean, go for it. Go for it. Sit in FedEx. Uh, sit at FedEx Field and tell me how you feel. I mean, it's, it's a terrible stadium. I've talked about this before, but... You were at that game, so I guess you're kind of biased about saying uh, a lot of Chargers fans at that game. <laughs> but good pick, good pick, good stuff there from everybody. All right, let's dive into the next game we got on the slate, and that is San Francisco 49ers at the red-hot Arizona Cardinals. San Fran's sitting at 2-2 two and two right now, and the Cardinals are the last undefeated team in the league at 4-0 right now. Um, games in the 4:30 window and things to watch. Uh, let's start off with the injury report. Um, what you got on Jimmy G, Mitch? He's got a little bit of a calf issue right now that took him out of the game last week. Well, Jimmy G and Kittle both dealing with calf injuries. Kittle, yeah, played through his already. Not really concerned. He was a DNP on Thursday, but he didn't practice a lot last week either. I think he's a guy who will fight through it, even though it is kind of an injury that can prevent you from being explosive the way you should be. But Jimmy G, not a lot of optimism for him. Could be the grade one strain, which would mean two to three weeks out, meaning we get to see Trey Lance in there maybe. Elijah Mitchell, he was limited Thursday. He played a little last week. I'm not as concerned about his shoulder injury. And Chase Edmonds did not practice today and shoulder injury have not been able to find anything on it so that could be a major concern going down the lines but at the moment james connor if you have him great if you don't you might want to look into him come saturday or sunday yeah yeah and that's more for like i feel like in 10 and 12 team leagues james connor should be rostered but um in 18 leagues definitely go out go ahead and grab some james connor for you but yeah, Chase Edmonds, not a great track record for people who show up in the injury report and do not practice on Thursday. So, yeah, definitely concern there. But let's hop into some of the major things to watch in this game besides the injuries. And I'll start off with, can the 49ers keep the red-hot MVP candidate leading Kyler Murray in check? Um, surprisingly, 49ers have been a top-10 defense against the pass this year in passing yards um and they kept russell wilson in check when he when they played him last week um 16 for 23 
149 yards and two touchdowns. And I felt like that was a good comparison to make because Russell Wilson, out of the people they've played so far, is pretty similar to Kyler Murray's play style. So they kept him in check. So maybe they'll translate that same game plan over to Kyler Murray. Um, also things to watch, which Cardinals pass catcher will step up outside of D hop. And this is more fantasy related, but it's kind of been a carousel as far as who's going to pop off for the Cardinals offense. And I'll ask you guys who you prefer after I read some of these stats out, but you've got AJ green who's had, sort of a renaissance so far. I mean, 15 catches on 24 targets. Um, that's one less target than D hop and leads the rest of the team, uh, 240 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he's at least uh, had at least five catches and 67 yards in the last two games. Um, then you got Christian Kirk, uh, doing great things. Very similar stat line to AJ green. Um, only 18 targets on the year, but he's had more than 65 yards in three or four games this year. And then you got the talented, um, electric Rondell Moore, who has had a very similar stat line to Christian Kirk. Um, he had that big week in week two, 114 yards and a touchdown. But I'm just curious, who do you guys prefer for the rest of the year as far? Because you want to get as much of this Arizona offense as you can, especially with Kyler playing the way he is. But it's hard to pick who you prefer out of these three guys. Um, Dayton, I'll start with you. Considering I have DeAndre Hopkins, I would I would pick DeAndre Hopkins. Cliff Kingsbury, please use your best player. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but for me, it's got to be Christian Kirk. Uh, I just don't think the AJ Green success is sustainable. A lot of what I've seen from him, I know he's got the targets, but a lot of the yardage and the big play or the, you know the points that he's gotten have come off of big chunk plays. I think Christian Kirk is just going to end up being more consistent. He's a guy that's been there longer. They finally de started deploying him in the slot, being able to use that speed. Um, he's my pick. Rondale Moore just seems so sporadic. Like he'll have mm -hmm. games where he'll give you 20 and then the next week you'll have two targets and a catch. Right. Yeah. Mitchell. I agree with Jaden on the Rondale Moore point that, well, speedy rookie receivers typically don't work out, and he's not going to be the guy I'd take out of three. I do think A.J. Green gets a slight edge on Kirk just because he can be slightly more of a possession receiver than Kirk. But Hopkins, yeah, I expect him to step up this week because that was horrible last week, and you know he's got to have a fire under him. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, this is not to say that any of these guys are even close to DeAndre Hopkins. But um, for me, <laughs> for me, I'm taking A.J. Green, too. Um, I You made a lot of great points about Christian Kirk. Um, he looked a lot for it. He looked a lot for Christian Kirk last year. Kyler Murray did. And um, <laughs> I was a D-hop owner for a little bit last year in fantasy. And I was so frustrated about the amount of looks that Christian Kirk was getting. But yeah, for the rest of the year, I'm taking A.J. Green. I mean, if you just think from Kyler's point of view, like, who do you trust with the ball more, A.J. Green or Christian Kirk? It's got to be A.J. Green. And A.J. Green has very similar targets to D-Hop so far this year, and he's had those he's had those big plays. I mean, that touchdown was phenomenal that he had the other day. I mean, he's still got it, I feel like. And with a guy like A.J. Green there, I think that's – that's your second option beyond D-Hop. But, yeah, definitely close. And I think there's an argument to be made about Christian Kirk, but I agree with you on the Rondell Moore talk. Um, very fluky, very fluky. So, 
Next point I wanted to bring up is on the 49ers side, what could potentially Trey Lance, if Jimmy G sits this week, bring to the 49ers offense? I mean, he didn't look the greatest against Seattle. Um, he had a decent stat line, nine for 18, 150 yards and two touchdowns, but he definitely looked like a rookie in this game. Um, do you th- like what do you think it brings better things to the 49ers offense or worse things to the 49ers offense? Mid- or yeah, Mitch, I'll start with you. I think it brings better things for the run game, passing game for Brandon Ayuk and Debo, maybe not so much. But I I think Shanahan should be able to capitalize on his mobility as opposed to Jimmy G's and hopefully scheme something up that they can be competitive in this game. Good stuff. Jaden. Yeah, I I do agree with a lot of what Mitchell says. You know, running game, you're going to want to try and give the ball to your backs a little bit more just because it's a rookie quarterback. Plus, he's going to run a little bit more. Debo Samuel, uh, I've been so skeptical on him all year. And I was just ready to be like, okay, you know what? Two 30-plus point games without two complete duds as your other two. I mean, I can't continue to deny him, but right. this is scary because now you're not going to be working so much in the short game with a guy who brings high-end athleticism, a big arm. This is somebody you want to start deploying and using in more than three-yard checkdowns like you did with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think they're going to start deploying a little bit more options too. See, I think, polar opposite. <laughs> I think there's an argument to be made for Debo Samuel being better, though, almost. Yeah. Now, I get all your points. Like, he is very short game. Like, <laughs> Lake has been getting on my nerves because he has been oh, trying to tell me <laughs> that Debo is some sort of deep threat. And if you've ever watched Debo Samuel play, he's not. He's just a yak monster. Like he'll, he catches balls within five yards of the line of scrimmage and takes it for like, however much he takes it, 60 yards, 50 yards, 40 yards. And that's fantastic. He's very, very good at that. And probably the best in the league at, uh, well, Tyreek Hill and Yak. I mean, it's hard to argue against that, but I mean, so far this year, he's been fantastic and, but he's not that deep threat, but in the game against Seattle, Trey Lance threw both of his touchdown passes to Debo Samuel. So I think maybe the cause for concern for Debo here, it's warranted. I get it because Trey Lance has that big arm and Jimmy D doesn't. But <laughs> I said Jimmy D. <laughs> but uh, I think there's an argument to be made that Debo <laughs> – I think there is an argument to be made that Debo might be even better in this game. But we've talked a lot about him. Uh, Debo Samuel, I mean, like you said, it's hard to doubt him at this point. I mean, he's got 43 targets. That's the fifth most in the league. Um, and then compare that to the rest of the offense. Kittle only has 28 targets. Unbelievable. And Muhammad Sanu and Brandon Ayuk have a combined 24 targets. So he's got the lion's share of the targets. And that is understating it in that offense. He's got 490 yards receiving that leads the league. Um, I mean, like you said, it's hard to doubt him at this point. Is it time to put Debo into the top 10 fantasy wide receiver conversation? Mitchell, I see some head shakes. What are your thoughts? I don't think so. Not yet. I think production of everybody will go down a little, but 
they're going to a polar opposite quarterback. You have no idea what this offense is going to look like, except the only constant is George Kittle is going to be the safest target. But why wouldn't you continue to give it to D? I mean, it's not like you're risking it throwing to Debo Samuel. Like you're not airing it out and you might want that for a rookie quarterback. Like, do you really want Trey Lance to go out here and air it out in this game? I don't think so. And shoot his confidence down, possibly have him throw three interceptions. I don't think so. Like, I think they might game plan more for Debo kid touches and catches because he doesn't go beyond that five yard mark from the line of scrimmage. And those aren't hard throws to make. So Jaden, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, they aren't hard throws to make, but short accuracy was not one of his strengths coming out of college. Um, I, I agree with Mitchell. I think George Kittle is the safest option. He's the best pass catcher on this team, regardless of what Debo Samuel's doing and how poorly Kittle has played so far. He's still the safest option for a quarterback to throw to, especially when you have a tight end of his caliber. And I just – I don't like – I didn't like Debo Samuel coming into the year. In fact, I, I was just thinking about it. I'm pretty sure I dropped him preseason in one of the leagues I'm in. Oof. So that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I honestly think Brandon Ayuk kind of makes a little bit of a resurgence. I don't know what it is. I just have a weird feeling that Brandon Ayuk fixes himself with new quarterback. Maybe Jimmy G just wasn't feeling him, was really feeling Debo a lot more. You got a point. And yeah. Brandon Ayuk said, like, if yeah, we're rolling with the argument that Trey Lance is a strong arm quarterback and Kyle Shanahan's going to game plan around that, Brandon Ayuk's that deep threat. I mean, it's sure as hell not going to be Debo Samuel. And they they draft Trey Lance to bring explosiveness. They Explosiveness. Explosiveness. <laughs> they draft him to bring in these big plays. And yeah, you know, if he throws a couple picks, that's going to kill his confidence. <laughs> but who cares, right? It's like, A, you, this is why you brought him in. And B, you're playing the Cardinals. You're going to have to have big plays. You can't nickel and dime all the way down the field. You can't, you can't have rookie mistakes in this game. You've got to make big plays. You've got to come out there and play. I feel like those Kyle two statements Murray. contradict. I feel like. Yeah, you can making they the do. big play and making rookie mistakes go hand in hand. Like you, you know, have you to have make to, the big plays and do it perfectly every time. <laughs> yes, every play must be a perfectly executed fifty-yard bomb. There you go. Go, Brandon. I you two hundred yards predicted. You call it. You heard it here first. <laughs> but Start let's hop into the spreads and the money lines for this game. Um, Arizona is favored by five, so it's Arizona minus five. Uh, the money lines, Arizona minus 230, 49ers plus 190. And I'll go ahead with my pick, Arizona on the spread money line. Can't doubt what they're doing. I think they say undefeated after this week. Jaden? Uh, yeah, give me Arizona on the spread and the money line. Fantasy impact for one player, and it's DeAndre Hopkins. I swear to God, if he doesn't go off this week against whoever they are starting at corner at this point, press the slam the panic button. The panic level's up 10. Because clearly Cliff Kingsbury does not care about DeAndre Hopkins or his family and getting his family involved. Any bonuses that he gets on his contract, he does not care about that man whatsoever. Please give him the ball. Stop feeding A.J. Green. Give him the ball. Please. My life depends on it. (laughs) Sounds a little biased. (laughs) No, it's not. 
Mitchell, what you got at your picks? I'm going to take the money line for Arizona, but I am going to take the 49ers on the spread. I think they're going to try to run the ball a lot and burn a lot of clock, and it's going to stay fairly tight. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So let's hop into our last headliner game that we have, and it's a big one on Sunday night football, prime time. Buffalo at Kansas City in Arrowhead. It's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, Buffalo's sitting at three and one right now, and Kansas City is sitting at a surprising two and two. So big stakes in this game. Uh, things to watch. Not much in the injury side, which is good news for a high caliber game of this caliber. But it's an AFC Championship. Re- <laughs> I know that came out. It came a out high a caliber weird. game of this caliber. I know it came out a little weird. I couldn't. I couldn't get it out. But things to watch in this game. It is an AFC championship rematch from last year. Um, the Chiefs blew them out last time. Um, the final score seems a little closer than the actual game was because they just routed them, I felt like. Uh, Chiefs won 38-24. to 24. And big questions in this game. Can the Bills contain Tyreek and or Travis Kelsey better than they did in the AFC championship game? In that game, Tyreek Hill had nine catches for 172 yards. And Kelsey had 13 catches for 118 yards and two tuds. I mean, they went off last time. But there's promise in this Bills defense this year. They've looked phenomenal. Now, granted, they haven't played the stiffness of competition. They played the Steelers, whose offense is not great, if I say so myself. (laughs) Um, They played the Miami Dolphins offense, which is terrible. The Washington football team offense, which is not great. It's not terrible. 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 I think, I, I think it was touchdown. I think <laughs> there's a great bad. argument to be made that the Washington football team offense looks a hell of a lot better than the Pittsburgh offense right now, which isn't saying much because did I ever no say offense. anything about that? I just said that they both look awful. Hey, that was not you said stinks, smells bad. I heard all at that least our talk. at least our defense is good. All right. All right. Ah. All right. Now we can stop the slander. Yeah, now now I want to see Let's move on. (laughs) Let's move on. But they've also played the Texans defense too, uh, or the Texans offense with Davis Mills last week, and obviously not that stiff competition there. But regardless, they've allowed the least yards so far this year, 216.8 per game, and the least points allowed – at 11 points per game. So promising the Bills defense so far. Um, Next question in this game, can the Chiefs defense step up to avoid a two and three start? Because they, if you want to point your finger at anybody, don't do it to Patrick Mahomes. It's not his fault. He threw five pass touchdowns against Philadelphia. He's fine. It's the Chiefs defense that is just horrid so far this year. Second most total yards allowed, 438 400 yeah 438 yards per game i mean that's a lot and second most points per game allowed 31.2 i mean Jaden, i'll start with you where are the holes exactly on this defense um everywhere except for chris jones and tyron matthew so nine to 12 players if you're counting the rotational guys uh yeah they decided to go all in on offense and fixing their offense because they thought that was their problem when in actuality <laughs> It's their defense. If you can't Shocker. Tell the numbers that Kane just read off for you, 
uh, like Legarius Sneed, fine draft pick, but they they didn't do anything to help address this defense at all. And I it was like, why? Why didn't you? Like, yeah, fix the offensive line. That's great, but I'd much rather have a horrible offensive line with Patrick Mahomes and a much improved defense than a great offensive line and a defense that can't stop anyone from scoring. We'd probably yeah. score like ten points against the Chiefs. Come on, well, this defense you is awful. I thought that addressing the offensive line was probably a one priority despite the defense. Cause it's Patrick Mahomes back there. And you saw what happened in the super bowl, despite them not having their starting tackles. But I mean, you're right. They didn't do anything to address this defense. So yeah, definitely concerns on the defensive side for the chiefs. It just doesn't make any sense to me, man. Like why would you think your offense was the problem? Like you have the most electric offense that this league has seen in very many years. And you're like, okay, we're just going to, we don't need a defense at all. We could just outscore everybody. And so far they've outscored two people and haven't outscored the other two. So very Beating them problematic. Two and two record. Yeah. In case that wasn't clear to anybody um, that two losses and two wins equals a two and two record, but I I did a little visual on the Zoom. I don't nobody saw that. But we'll was, do we'll do like a TikTok clip for that. Okay, sweet. The little, sweet. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. By the way, go ahead and follow our TikTok. We need more followers on that. Come on, do it. My, my TikTok, my too. TikTok has six hundred views and like what, like twenty likes maybe, not even. Didn't check you, it right now. This, I was about to say, don't worry, man. I got gotcha. you. Six thirty-eight, nineteen likes and one share. Hey, one share. Hey, one share. Hey, some dudes, some dudes like, yo, look, man, Stefan to pay to Carolina. Check this, Mitchell, check this analysis Mitch, out. Mitch got more likes. King got more views. So, I mean, fair. I'll take it. I, I've got the face for radio, as Mitchell said <laughs> in the, Mitchell, as Mitchell said in the, uh, in the group chat earlier. Hot. Yeah, but. Let's get into the rest of this game. Um, Stephon Diggs, is this going to be his breakout game against a horrid Chiefs defense, as we already mentioned? Um, Stephon Diggs, though, so far, I mean, he's been good, but he's definitely not been Stephon Diggs. I mean, he only has one touchdown so far, and he only has more than 70 receiving yards once so far this year, and that was against the Texans. So I don't think there's any cause for concern against Stephon. Like, don't get me wrong. Like he's the mo- one of top five targeted receivers so far this year. And it's Stefan Diggs. I mean, he led the league in receiving last year. So I don't think there's any cause for concern. Don't misinterpret that. But I mean, if he's going to have a breakout game, it's going to be now. So, but not putting him in the same like category as like Robert Woods concern or anything. Like don't, don't get it twisted. It's Stefan Diggs, but I mean, I think after tonight, I'd say that there's more concern surrounding Stephon Diggs than there is Robert Woods. I mean, hey, hey, hey. Stephon, Stephon Diggs doesn't have Cooper Cup in that offense. Dude, Emmanuel Sanders is a former Steeler. Oh, Emmanuel Sanders, Mr. Four year old. Cole Beasley. <laughs> Cole Beasley. And Dawson Knox. Oh. You've got some weapons. Little, little sneak, sneak preview to some starters. Evan Singletary and Zach Moss. Hello. <laughs> Talk about an elite running back duo. (laughs) (laughs) But last thing I want to mention in this game is Josh Gordon is being promoted to the active roster for this game. 
And Andy Reid has been saying some good things about him. He said he's very smart and has picked things up quickly. And that I imagine that's true because it's Josh Gordon. But just for fun, what kind of stat lines are we predicting for Josh Gordon? Um, Jaden, I'll start with you. For this week? Yeah. Um, uh, like one, I, I, I don't even know if, like, has he like been confirmed to play? Like he's playing. He's only active, active roster. He'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be at the game. Okay. In pads, helmet, Correct. helmet. That's what me, that's what, that's what on the roster okay. means. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know, like catch for like nine yards i don't i don't think they're gonna get him too involved yet yeah i think they're gonna deploy him come postseason time and then he takes tyreek's job but uh <laughs> just gonna let that slide yeah. oh mitchell Mitch, what, what you got? got yeah what you got uh, oh, i got two catches for 21 yards and one tackle on a booms pick <laughs> oh i like that kind of sneaky kind of sneaky um i'll go uh i mean we mentioned it before, receiving options beyond Tyreek Hill. I mean, you got Miko Hardman, track star, Demarcus Robinson, track star. So, I don't know. I, 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 I'll go I'll go three catches for 30 yards. Ten, it, yeah, I know. God. Huge, Ooh, huge day yes. coming for Josh Gordon. Sheesh. Make but sure you fuck about up Josh boom. Gordon. <laughs> boom week. <laughs> but let's hop into the spreads and the money lines for this game. Um, KC is my uh, minus two and a half, favored by two and a half. Um, money lines, KC minus 145, Buffalo plus 125. And for me, I'm taking Buffalo on the spread and the money line. I just – this Bills defense, despite the non-stiff competition so far this year, has looked very good. And the Chiefs defense has not looked good. So you've got two very similar high-powered offenses going at it. And, I mean, we were saying the same kind of stuff about the AFC championship game. But how the Chiefs defense is playing so far this year, going head-to-head, high-powered offenses, I'm taking Buffalo on the spread in the money line. So, Jaden, what you got? Uh, Coming into the podcast, I had Kansas City and – I I don't know like what made me want to change, but man, I'm I'm going Buffalo. I just had a change of heart. Uh, obviously, the defense. Who like the guy in our league that drafted Buffalo's defense for fantasy? I was like, okay, that's uh, it's all right. I guess I don't really not really sure if I understand that. And here they are giving him like 25 points a game. Um, I think they might be able to force Patrick Mahomes to make some mistakes very similar to how the Chargers and Ravens did. And if they can do that, then they can beat this team. The Chiefs are very beatable right now. And if they drop to two and three. Look, that that will be a PR shitstorm. But Mitchell, what you got? I'm still going to take Kansas City on spread and money line. Even though it would make this Chargers fan very happy to watch the Chiefs stay at the bottom of the division and under 500, I I think they'll manage to will their way to a win. Just because it's a must-win game for them? Yeah, I, I don't see Mahomes making the same mistakes he has been. Their pass rush on Buffalo is not quite as disruptive as what we've seen in the games where he did look rough. 
So I'm not as worried for him. Fair, fair. I just think this game is going to come down to the defenses with two very similar offenses and the Chiefs have a much worse defense. So yeah, give me Buffalo, but good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right, let's run through the other games, the non-headliner games, and there's a lot of them because it's just not that great of a slate this week. But starting off with the London game, I always love London games, man. You wake up at 9.30 and there's football on, very weird, and I just like the vibe that I get from that. But as always, it's very poopy game. It's the Jets versus Atlanta. In London, Atlanta's favored by three. Um, I'm taking the Jets in this game. Calvin Ridley is out in this game. He did not make the trip to London today with the team because of a personal issue. So beyond Calvin Ridley, there's not a lot of great options in Atlanta. Big Kyle Pitts game maybe incoming, but yeah, give me the Jets after a big Cordero Patterson doesn't exist. <laughs> Greatest Cordero utility Patterson. player ever. Come on. Come on. Come on. But Jaden, what you got? Uh, yeah, I'm also going Atlanta in this. No, I'm going with the Jets. Wow, you got a lot of heart, literally, literally, as soon as I say it. Yeah, uh, I'm going with the Jets in this one. I think Cordell Batterson cools off. I do think we have a breakout game for Kyle Pitts incoming, but Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson's got to have a lot of confidence after beating a right reigning playoff team last week. Granted, they've got some injuries going on, but. You know, that's a huge confidence booster for a guy who's playing for the Jets and needs a lot of confidence. Right. Mitchell, what you got? I'm going to take the Jets for both. But Kane, man, you of all people should be a Patterson believer after last week. He scorched you guys. That's funny. That's really (laughs) funny. It makes me laugh. I'm not laughing on the outside, but, geez, on the inside, I'm, like, bellowing. You try laughing on the outside. It's fun. (laughs) Let's hop into the next game that we have on the slate. That is Detroit at Minnesota in the one o'clock window. Um, The spread in this game is Minnesota minus 10. And I want to bring up some injuries to you, Mitchell. Um, There's some pretty high valued injuries that are on the table in this game. Um, Dalvin Cook, what's the status? Well, with Dalvin Cook, based on watching replays, they've said it's just a regular ankle sprain, but based on what I saw in the video, it did not quite look like a regular ankle sprain. It looked more like what would be a high ankle sprain, which is much more likely to linger, and they might be forcing him in too much, considering he had to leave again. I'm, I'm not very optimistic for him, and the Dalvin Cook owner is staring at me with a sad smile on his face right now. So this is not the news he wanted to hear. No, I, we talked about this before the pod. I was fully ready to receive this news. Don't act like I'm shocked here. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, definitely concerning for Dalvin Cook for sure. I mean, especially geez. the Dalvin Cook owners out there. Yikes. Yep. Yep. Especially but. the ones that are sitting at 0 4. Let's quickly talk about this. Let's quickly talk about this keyword being quickly but it's not time to like given those that news i mean if that ends up being true definitely concerning because that puts him out what like six weeks well he's been playing on it it just puts him right. at a high re-injury status which puts him at his typical injury prone levels where you're not confident <laughs> starting anymore right 
But it's not because of Dalvin not being a good football player is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not oh, he's like, amazing. yeah, he's amazing. And Minnesota runs that offense through Dalvin Cook and it couldn't be any clearer. So despite the health concerns, it's still Dalvin Cook. So I'm not like panicking to sell on my number two draft pick. Like, Jaden, what you got on this? Because I know you got some strong-headed thoughts. Listen, man, uh, Dalvin Cook was your number two draft pick. And, you know, I, I was the guy that was – he was my consensus number two. I didn't have any thoughts of, you know, if I was a number two – if I was a person with the number two pick, I wasn't thinking about Henry or Kamara or any of those guys. But he still has number two value to a lot of people. Obviously, the Dalvin Cook owners, especially ones that have had him for multiple years like you have that have seen this constant ah i tweaked my ankle let me miss two or three drives let me just sit the rest of the game out because we're winning this happening multiple times in a season that's gotta piss you off and i know it pisses you off because you've talked about it before and people still think he's got number two value you can grab I don't know, to, you know, maybe you're less informed people. You can grab an Austin Eckler and a receiver, an Aaron Jones and a receiver, a Najee Harris and a really good receiver. Like, you can get that high-end value for Dalvin Cook right now, and just there's so much uncertainty with him, especially going into this week where they're playing Detroit. They should get up early, and if Dalvin, you know, they start thinking like, uh, ankles hurting him a little bit, we're not going to run the piss out of him because we're winning we're going to use madison because he'll do just enough to keep us in the game i'm not going to say sit him this week because it's dalvin cook and he's you know healthy but <laughs> no good, yeah i mean good good debate there good debate i mean i very quickly i'll say this like if i or any other dalvin cook owner could get Austin Eckler type return. Now Najee Harris is like, I'm not dropping down to Najee Harris. Like I want an Austin Eckler. I want like, I said, like, I don't even want CMC right now because of the injury concerns, but anyway, good debate. Good debate. Um, Really quickly, Mitchell, what you got on uh, DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson who popped up on the injury reports? Well, Swift dealing with the same groin injury since the preseason. He hadn't missed any major time. I think he actually might see an increase in production because Williams popped up. He's They're both probably going to play, but I see Swift maybe getting a little more. And Hawkinson, there was no clear, like, reasoning behind his knee injury. No one pointed to a specific play or anything, but he had a limited practice today. I'm also not worried about him. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's hop into our picks for this game. Um, like I said, it's Minnesota minus 10. So I'm taking Detroit on the spread, whose defense is a lot better than people give them credit for. Like on paper, they look terrible, but they've played pretty solid this year. Um, so, yeah, give me Detroit on the spread, but Minnesota on the money line. Jaden? Uh, yeah, give me Detroit on the spread as well, as much as I don't think their defense is good because, you know, on paper it isn't. And they've played fine. You know, they play inspired. It's Dan Campbell. He's big motivation guy, bite the kneecaps. Uh, so I think they'll keep it close, but I definitely think Minnesota wins this game at home. Yeah, good stuff. Mitchell? I'm taking Minnesota for the money line and Detroit on the spread. Watch out for a Dalvin Cook kneecap injury in this game due to Dan Campbell's defense. 
<laughs> Good stuff. Um, all right. Denver at Pittsburgh in the one o'clock window. Um, the spread is even in this game. So very interesting. Um, we got some injuries that I wanted to bring up real quick in this game, though. Um, Mitchell, what you got on Teddy Bridgewater leaving last game? Well, he had a concussion. No signs from practicing yet. I don't see him playing in this game, which means much more likely for Pittsburgh to take advantage, seeing as though Drew Locke is a downgrade to Teddy. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, as far as my pick goes, I'm taking Pittsburgh on – there's no spread, but I'm taking Pittsburgh on the money line. Um, I just think that this Denver offense is not going to look the same with Drew Locke. I mean, we've seen what it looks like, and it looks terrible. So, yeah, give me Pittsburgh. They'll make a way – they'll find a way to make it happen. I mean, even if they do have to throw the ball to Najee 20 times. Jaden? No freaking way. You did not <laughs> just favor the Steelers in a football contest. This yep. is going to be like a like a 12 to 9 game. This is going to be awful to watch. Just just watch the box score. Don't don't if you have it on TV, just ignore it. This is going to be sloppy. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. It's going to be Drew Locke versus Ben Roethlisberger, who I don't even know who's better at this point right now. But give me Pittsburgh at home. Like I said, like 10 to 6, something stupid like that. Good stuff. Mitch? I'm going Pittsburgh, too. Uh, Drew Locke is going to get exposed yet again. Gotcha. Gotcha. Next game we got on the slate, Miami at Tampa Bay in the 1 o'clock window. The spread, Tampa Bay minus 10. Give me Tampa Bay. Jaden? Give me Tampa Bay. I don't trust anything about Miami right now. And I trust a lot about Tom Brady. And, you know, this Buccaneers team that just won a Super Bowl. Give me Tampa back. Yep. Mitch? Tampa's going to clobber them in every way, shape, and form. They're definitely going to cover. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Jacoby Brissett led Miami Dolphins. And without Will Fuller, who just got placed on IR with the hand. So, yeah. Give me Tampa Bay. Next game, New Orleans at Washington football team. In the one o'clock window, New Orleans is favored by two and a half, but I hate to say it until they show me anything on defense. I think Jameis might throw for 500 yards on this defense in this game. Give me New Orleans. Jaden. I mean, I'd argue that Jameis is going to throw for 700 yards. Um, I wouldn't put that out of the question. Yeah. Give me New Orleans on both the spread and the money line. Not through Jameis, though. I think it'll be through Alvin Kamara getting 40 carries and no targets because that's how they want to treat him now. Yep. Uh, Mitchell? I'm going to take New Orleans on both and Jameis Winston under 200 passing yards somehow. Hmm. Interesting. The only reason I say that Jameis is going to go for 500 yards is because our secondary is just look terrible. Like, I'm not, I'm not concerned about the pass rush. The pass rush will step it up, but – Willie Jackson looks terrible. I, I was just about to say I completely whiffed on Willie Jackson in the offseason. He has been oh, awful. Me too. They're, they're trying, they're trying to use him in that zone when he's a you know bump and run guy. And you know, Rivera was like, ah, eh, maybe we can coach him up. But when I listened to that podcast, I was kind of like, eh, I, I'm not that high on him. I don't they seem to be high on him, but I'm not. He's been ridiculously terrible. You're he so probably... much better than us, aren't you, Mitchell? <laughs> I mean, it was 
an, a top-tier Cincinnati Bengals corner. What did you expect from him? Apparently, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. Anyway, <laughs> um, Philadelphia at Carolina is the next game we got in the 1 o'clock window. Carolina is favored by three in this game. Uh, really quickly, what you got on uh, CMC with that hamstring? Uh, to quote Matt Rule, he's looking real good. He is outside of his uh, his time frame for recovery for a grade one hamstring strain, which you would expect it to be considering he didn't miss the two to three weeks that it would be for grade three, so or grade two, sorry. I'm liking him playing. They're saying game time decision, but all signs are pointing to him playing and them trying to bounce back. Good stuff. Well, given that, I'm taking Carolina on the spread and the money line. Jaden? Uh, yeah, I'm taking Carolina as well. I'm surprised the spread is as close as it is, as it is, especially with Carolina at home. I mean, this would be even in a neutral setting. Like, I'm kind of surprised by that. But, yeah, give me Carolina. Also, real quick, Gilly's not playing this week, correct? He can't play till week seven. Yeah, I was about to say. Okay. Yeah. Mitchell? All right, let's give me Carolina. I'm going to double down on Carolina. I think the spread was only minus three just because they weren't sure about McCaffrey. Right. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. And Philly Philly put up – I mean, granted, it was the Chiefs defense, but they put up a lot of points against the Chiefs defense. And in their offense time. <laughs> yeah, in garbage yeah. time. And the offense hasn't looked terrible. I mean, I like Jalen Hurts this year. I think he's looked pretty good. But definitely got, him at, got himself out of that worst quarterback in the league talk by mine. Yeah. So, yeah. Next game we got Tennessee at Jacksonville in the 1 o'clock window. Tennessee is favored by four and a half. And um, Mitchell, what you got on big-time receivers in Tennessee, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones? Both are dealing with hamstring issues. However, A.J. Brown has started practicing again, and Julio's not. They're both outside of the seven-to-ten-day seven window. But A.J. Brown is not as injury-prone as Julio Jones, so I expect this to linger in Julio like all of his injuries ever have. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, like that soft tissue stuff, especially with Julio. I mean, it's given him – he likes to play through injuries too, and it makes it even worse. So, yeah, good stuff. Um, well, if they get A.J. Brown this week, and even if they don't, with the whole Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville right now, give me Tennessee by a million. Jaden? Uh, yeah, I, I want to have optimism and what they showed me last week against Cincinnati because Cincinnati has played well so far this year. Um, but there's so much going on. Like, I don't know if they're going to like, I highly doubt they like rally around their coach. Cause you know, he was no. grinding on a woman in Ohio and I think they're just going to be, you know, disconnected. Derek Henry's going to kick their face in. Yep. Mitchell. Oh yeah. I'm going Tennessee all the way. This, like Jaden said, Derrick Henry is going to be looking to run through a motherfucker right now. <laughs> they are going to kill them. Yeah, they are going to absolutely take advantage of the dismal situation in Jacksonville. So I haven't heard dismal in a while. It's I know. Been, that's been, why I threw it. A little bit. I know. That's, that's why I threw Still it out there. Like serviceable, that. though. That hadn't been phased out. <laughs> <laughs> got to keep some of the old or the old ones, you know. Um, next game we got. Yeah. <laughs> So many, so many moons ago. 
Um, next game, we got New England at Houston in the one o'clock window. New England is favored minus nine. And despite the significant spread, give me New England on the spread of the money line, especially after how that defense looked last week. Jaden? Yes, sir. I'm going to make him in New England on the spread of the money line. Houston has finally settled themselves into being the worst team in the league. Yep. Mitchell? Yeah, as long as Davis Mills is still in there and Tyrod's on IR, so that's going to be for a while. Houston is definitively the worst team in the league. So yeah. 100% New England. <laughs> yep. Good stuff. Next game we got Chicago at Las Vegas in the 4 o'clock window. Vegas is favored by five and a half. And really quickly, what you got on David Montgomery? Heard it's not good. <laughs> to me, it's looking like an MCL sprain the way he went down. So four to five weeks. Look to Damian Williams, and he's dealing with a bit of a thigh injury right now, but it's just a bruise. So maybe even look to Khalil Herbert if you're in a deeper league. He might be a sleepy pick. He looked great in the preseason. So that bears – backfield is something to look for in this game against Las Vegas. Damian Williams, I've talked about him a lot before. Got robbed of a Super Bowl MVP. Don't sleep on him. Um, but in this game, I will take Chicago on the spread and Raiders on the money line. Jaden? Mitchell, are you sure that's not just like Herbert bias that you've got going there? Um <laughs> Give me Chicago on the spread and the money line. I think mm. this is the game in which Justin Fields kind of has this coming out party and shows why he was a first-round pick and why he should have been starting all along. Nice. Nice. Mitchell. It was not Herbert bias. It was more I'm not that confident in Damian Williams as a number one back, but I'm going to take the Raiders probably for both because it is a weak offensive line again. And Max Crosby suddenly turns into prime Lawrence Taylor when he plays against bad offensive line. True. Very true. Very true. Next game, uh, the New York giants at the Dallas Cowboys in the four thirty window. Dallas is favored, but minus seven. I'm taking Dallas. Jaden. Shocker. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me Dallas on the spread and the money line. The Giants' defense has not looked anything near what it was supposed to be after last year, but, you know, Saquon, right? Uh, Trevon Diggs probably finished with, what, like nine picks in this one-ish? Yeah, probably. Okay, I mean, yeah. Give me Dallas. Put, put the put it at nine and a half, you know? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mitchell? Hey, DJ's issue is not picks. It's fumbles. He's been great passing this year which is why I think they're going to cover, but Dallas is still going to win. Nice. I like it. Interesting. Last game we got is Indianapolis at Baltimore on Monday night football. Baltimore's favored minus seven, and I can't keep doubting this Baltimore team. I'm taking Baltimore on the spread in the money line. Jaden? Yeah, give me Baltimore on the spread in the money line. I'm not going to say they're going to beat them by 50, even though I want to, because mm -hmm. the last time I did that, it was an overtime game in which they lost to the Raiders. So. <laughs> Mitchell I think Baltimore is going to win overall but Indianapolis is still a great team I think they managed to cover especially with a touchdown deficit and a Baltimore team that seems to be playing down to everybody except the Denver Broncos good stuff good stuff but you might take that last week as like optimism going forward like maybe they start doing that you know but the Broncos suck one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that Broncos defense, come on, come on. But 
All right. With that, let's start into our weekly segment, which is the start and the sits in fantasy this week. And we'll start off with the quarterback. I'll go ahead with my start. And we mentioned it earlier. Zach Wilson. I'm taking him as my start this week. He's playing Atlanta in London and the Atlanta defense. It's no secret. They are just not good. They've allowed the third most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. The they've allowed 11 touchdowns, which is tied for first, and they have zero interceptions on the year. Um, and Zach Wilson is coming off the best performance of his young career in a huge confidence boosting overtime win against a big time team in Tennessee. So yeah, give me Zach Wilson, Jaden. Uh, yeah, I'm alluded a little bit to it earlier. Give me Justin Fields in this one. I have almost no reasoning behind this. I just really feel like he's going to be good this week. I just have a gut feeling that this is going to be his coming out party. Cause it's like a solid defense, but it's not a great defense. It's not even solid. Really. It's just played solid. I think they're going to show that the Raiders are frauds. Justin Fields is my start this week. Nice. Mitchell. I kind of alluded to it in the uh, Dallas talk, but I'm going to take Daniel Jones playing against a fairly weak secondary. He's kind of had a coming out party last week against a pretty solid Saints defense. I think he's finally starting to hit his stride and he hadn't been, he's been below 20 fantasy points once this year. I would start looking to pick him up if you're desperate for a quarterback right now. Yeah, and he gives you that surprising running production. And I agree. Danny Jones has looked the best in his career this year, especially against the Washington football football team defense. Made him look like an all-pro. Especially if you're a Russell Wilson owner, Daniel Jones might be a very viable option for you right now. Good point. Good point. Um, Let's hop into the starts for the quarterbacks and my – or not the starts, the sits – And for my sit this week, I'm going Baker Mayfield. Um, He's playing the Chargers, who have allowed the fourth least fantasy points to quarterbacks so far this year. And I mentioned earlier, Jarvis Landry on IR. He can't seem to connect with OBJ, and the options beyond that are not very great. And also, the Browns will turn to the run against the Chargers against a bad run defense. So I don't think the Baker's going to throw the ball a lot in general in this game. So. Give me Baker Mayfield as my sit. Jaden? Uh, I've got Jalen Hurts as my sit this week. I totally understand Baker Mayfield, and quite honestly, if I would have thought of Baker Mayfield, I probably would have said Baker. But uh, I went with Jalen Hurts this week. The Panthers' defenses look great this year, and they do have Brian Burns, who's probably one of the fastest edge guys in the league, so you can use him to keep Jalen Hurts inside the pocket, and when you keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket, usually bad things happen. Good stuff. Mitchell? Well, unlike Jaden, I did think of Baker Mayfield. The only way I see him actually providing any production is if they run it all the way down to the goal line and then just do a play action pass to a tight end or something. In which Mm -hmm. case, Nick Chubb owners and Kareem Hunt owners are going to riot in Cleveland. Yeah, for sure. But also didn't mention that labrum, which is going to might be a problem going forward. So, yeah, good (laughs) stuff. All right, let's hop into the running back section. And for my start this week, I'm going Kareem Hunt. Um, He's facing the Chargers, a bad run defense. Uh, Kareem Hunt's had more than 15 points in three of the four games so far this year. He looks pretty damn good. And he's carving out a much more clear receiving role over Nick Chubb this year as opposed to last year and years prior. Um, 
And he's close enough to him in carries to stay productive on the ground. So, yeah, give me Kareem Hunt. Jaden. If you weren't doing this already, go ahead and start Derrick Henry this week. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I'm actually going to go against Kane a little bit. Give me Nick Chubb as my start this Mm. week. I think they're going to run it in a lot, and I think he's going to get two touchdowns. Mm, kind of repaying like all the owners back from the last two weeks in which he didn't get in the end zone and left them with under like 12 points. Yeah, give me Nick Chubb as my start. Nice. Mitchell. I'm going to say Leonard Fournette, even though you guys hate him, I think they're going to get up by a lot. I like Lenny. He, he's been out carrying Rojo in every game since the fumble. So I see him doing big things. And if you are a Kareem Hunt owner, it might be the time to start him over Dalvin Cook to get your team out of the 0-4 position. Hey, 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 hey. Those are personal shots right there. That's that's below the belt. That situation seemed very, very specific. (laughs) Hey, happens to the best of us, right, team? (laughs) Oh, geez, man. Some of us are like perennial perennial championship appearances and just start 0-4. Yep. Right. It happens. It happens. <laughs> Let's hop into the sits this week for running backs and um, give me Miles Sanders. He's playing Carolina, who, despite letting Zeke run all over him or all over them last week, um, I think they're going to be out to prove themselves this week after letting Zeke do that to them. And even after last week, they still have allowed the third least fantasy points to running backs. So also, Kenny Gamewell is seriously carving out a role for himself in the Philadelphia offense, especially receiving. He had eight targets to Sanders, three targets in week four. And even worse, Miles Sanders has combined for nine carries over the past two weeks. So sit Miles Sanders if you aren't already. Jaden. I'm going to give you another Miles who is getting even less production in Miami in Miles Gaskin. That man had two carries last week, two He's done. He's, he is cooked. He has had 29 carries in four games. He's done. He's cooked. Drop him. It's over. I think it's welcome to dump Phil for Miles Gaskin too. Yeah. So, and this was, this was a guy who like was being picked somewhere in like RB 20 ish range. And uh, he, he was getting picked over Kareem Hunt in some leagues. And now Kareem Hunt's being, you know, becoming a legit starter and Miles Gaskin is, getting dropped from Malcolm Brown. Yeah. Yeah. If you still have Miles Gaskin, don't start him. Good stuff. Mitchell. I would just like to take a second to say that Mr. Jaden Kozak was criticizing me for liking Chase Edmonds more than Miles Gaskins for about a month straight. So suck it, Jaden. <laughs> this is what you get for drafting him. Mitchell's throwing all the shots. Hey, I didn't draft I didn't draft <laughs> I was going to make him my sit, but it seemed a little too obvious this week. So I chose Najee Harris against the Denver Uh-oh. Broncos. That is not a personal shot. I just do not like his matchup. And unless he gets a lot of receiving targets, I don't see him being able to salvage much points in fantasy. Nice. Oh, Interesting. Thank like you. <laughs> Let's hop into the wide receivers. And for my start this week, give me Marquez Callaway. I know he struggled so far this year, but – If he's going to break out against anybody, it's going to be the Washington football team secondary. Woo! Who have allowed the third most fantasy points to wide receivers this year. They've had 
they've allowed the second most catches and the second most targets. So teams are recognizing that terrible secondary and hurting it. So also we already mentioned Willie Jackson has looked downright dog shit terrible. So give me Marquez Callaway as my start this week. Jaden. Uh, yeah, I am going Jamar Chase no matter what this week. <laughs> he might draw – there's like a 40% chance he draws the Kevin King matchup, and it, it's just hilarious that this man has become like, God, I can't wait to play. Like, we might get Kevin King this week. I might be able <laughs> to be guarded by Kevin King this weekend. And, like, you're almost targeting that matchup. Like, wow, you know – this guy, he's got a nice little matchup this week against Kevin King. But, yeah, he's looked great so far. Uh, all the memes, all the people like myself that traded him because of the memes, really kicking themselves right now. But, yeah, give me Jamar Chase. Mitchell. I'm going to take Brandon Ayuk. Even though he hasn't been productive to this point, he might get a little more of those deep targets we were talking about earlier in the podcast. And – he could be in for a breakout finally. I like it. I like it. Let's hop into the sits. And my sit this week is OBJ. Um, despite being the start of the week last week, um, Baker just can't seem to get on the same page as him. And he's playing the Chargers. Uh, second least fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Um, this goes in the same token that I was mentioning Cleveland Chargers earlier. They're going to go to the run in this game. So sit OBJ this week. Jaden. I've got Godwin this week against Miami. That's their secondary is literally the only good part of their team. And I think if they end up going up early, they won't, they'll just stop throwing the ball. And if Godwin doesn't get involved early, then he's not going to get involved at all. Good stuff. Mitchell. I'm going to say Terry McLaurin. He's drawing the coverage of Marshawn Lattimore this week. And well, who else is there to guard without Logan Thomas? I mean, Curtis Samuel's coming back, but let's be honest. You have plenty of cornerbacks on that team to try to guard him. Terry McLaurin is priority number one. Yeah. Yeah. That means bad news for Taylor Heineke, who really loves Terry McLaurin. So, yay, Washington football team. Let's hop into the tight ends. And my start this week is Dalton Schultz, who draws a nice matchup against the Giants this week. They've allowed the fifth most fantasy points to tight ends. They've allowed the most tight ends to, or most touchdowns to tight ends so far this year with four and the second most fantasy points allowed in the red zone to tight ends. And Dalton Schultz really thrives in the red zone so far. He's the third most targeted tight end in the red zone. He's got three touchdowns in the last two games and his targets have steadily increased in week one. It was six week two is kind of a dud with two, but in week three, it was seven targets in week four, it was eight targets. So looking good for Dalton Schultz. Give me him as my start. Jaden. Uh, kind of funny. You'll see it on the Instagram, or not you, but our <laughs> listeners will see it on the Instagram. Uh, Tyler has Dalton Schultz as his sit this week. I know. Ironic enough. Mm. Uh, I've got Kyle Pitts. I didn't like. I thought this would be the obvious one. Like everybody's like, "Oh, breakout game for Kyle Pitts this week." I really think it's going to happen, just because if it doesn't happen now, then why even use a first round pick? You've done practically nothing with him. You could have gone quarterback to start replacing Matt Ryan. You could have gone defense, for God's sakes. Do something with the most talented player on your team. I like it. Mitchell. Even though he's kind of spotty, I'm going to go with Max Williams. He's 
shown some mm. promise so far this year. I think he might be able to have a good week. I like it. I like it. Yeah, carved himself a nice little roll last week with the Tutty. So, yeah, look good. My sit this week at tight end is, surprisingly, George Kittle. Um, he's playing Arizona this week. They've allowed the third least fantasy points to tight ends, and they've only allowed zero touchdowns and 93 yards total to tight ends this year. And George Kittle, I think there's really serious cause for concern here. I mean, he's had more than 12 points in just one game so far. Debo has been absolutely dominant. If Lance starts, I've mentioned this before. I think you guys disagree with me, but I think it's more likely that he goes to Debo Samuel versus George Kittle. Um, and Kittle coming into this game with kind of an injury question with that calf. So sit George Kittle this week. Jaden? Uh, I'm doing a little last-second audible. Give me TJ Hawkinson for this week. He has the knee thing. I know that there wasn't, like, anything crazy on it, but the Vikings' corners are dog shit. So if they're going to attack anything to try and get back in this game, they will certainly be losing. They're going to try and attack their awful and use their awful receivers. And he also <laughs> draws Eric Kendricks this week, who's one of the best inside linebackers in the league, um, probably staying away from TJ Hawkinson. Nice. Mitchell. I was about to say, are you saying Amon Ross St. Brown is not a good receiver? <laughs> and Quintez Cephas? <laughs> My set of the week, I'm going to go with similar mindset to Jaden here. Mark Andrews. He's going against Darius Leonard. I see it being more of an outside game for the Ravens. I'm not high on Andrews for this game at all. Good stuff. That was actually, that was actually my set right before I audible. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we've got technically – or not Great minds think alike. For Mark Andrews. We don't like Mark Andrews. Sweet. Good stuff. All right, boys. Well, that does it for this week. Another re recap of Thursday Night Football and Week 5 Outlook in the books. I mean, I guess it's not Week 5 Outlook, but another week outlook in the books. Um, just want to say good luck to everybody's fantasy teams this week. Um, I, if you're willing to send any luck my way, I would much appreciate it. Anything, it just, just, just your you don't, thoughts. You don't have to though. You don't really have to. Oh, well, I think it he, he's, had really a, he's had a good preferable. Run. He's had a good run. It's over. <laughs> night, night. I'm own I'm own four in my big money league and our main league. I'm two and two in another, and I'm one and three in another. So, I don't know what's going wrong, but just just send some love your way towards Mr. Kane if you appreciate me as a host of this podcast at all. So with that, signing off this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the new intro, and um, we'll catch you next week. Enjoy this week. Peace. <laughs>